This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? Do you hear the sound? Those are jingle bells to make us aware that Knicks basketball has begun. Why does Knicks basketball equate to jingle bells? I don't know, but I had some bells right here next to my laptop and I rung them. And I know Jeremy Cohen's happy about that. He's a Jew, but he loves jingling bells. Don't you, Jeremy? This is off to a roaring start. Yeah, we you really know, I are. should I I should have taken the audio. I, I uh, cooked up some latkes yesterday. I should have just had the <laughs> oil sizzling sound. Maybe Andrew can fit that in there. Um, yeah, Nick's basketball's back. It's it's just preseason, and we're all we've <laughs> some things never change, and some things are quite different. So it's great that even in preseason we're able to do something. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, it feels like. A tale of two. Oh, well, no, I shouldn't say that. It, it feels like each night was different and yet yeah. completely the same all at once. Well, it's like Christmas and Hanukkah, right? It's like celebrations, right? Different kind of celebrations, um, but things to take away from both. Maybe, you know, a little bit more um, self-loathing with one than the other. Is that fair to say? I, I've heard. I've yeah, heard. It was like decorating a Christmas tree or a Hanukkah bush. One night and then the next night, just setting it on fire. <laughs> and tonight was setting it on fire. It was tonight Festivus. I think tonight. No, no, no. Festivus, been... Festivus is the 23rd. We got some time. We it's have time, some time to get tinsel in the pole and air Christ. out the grievances. We'll get there. Who do they, so that means opening night is going to be Festivus. I don't yes. like where this is heading. <laughs> um, goodness. Jeremy Cohen, uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, we are recording this right after the Knicks have indeed finished uh, playing the second of their two um, initial preseason games. And um, I, I just want to, before we start, I have to give a quick shout out to um, my wife because today is our sixth year wedding anniversary. And we, we went out to dinner in a, uh, a little mini igloo, which they have popping up here on Long Island. Um, so you're, you're all contained, you know, it's, it's, it's COVID safe. And then we, we got home from the igloo li- like at seven Oh six. And I turn on the TV and we have been watching. And this is how we celebrated our six year anniversary. We've been celebrating it by watching the Knicks pretend to play basketball for the last two hours. And uh, I just I don't. So there has to be she the, the elevator goes like must not go up all the way in her in her head that she's OK with this scenario. It's like continuing to run out. Um, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. to play point guard. That was that was a, that was a low blow um, anyway. So sh- shout out to my wife. 
um, who, who is uh, hopefully finding a, a better run of things in her marriage than Dennis, but Jr. is running, uh, finding things and running the Knicks offense. Okay. <laughs> you have to watch on YouTube to see Jeremy's face during all that. That's really great. I mean, you're not wrong. At least I'm not wrong. That's what I we saw. I'm not wrong. And it's funny because actually one of my biggest takeaways from the first game was I was incredibly impressed by Dennis Bitt Jr. Because as much as his um, offense was a little rough, I was really impressed by his defense, which actually wasn't bad again tonight. But he's just uh, talk about out of sorts on offense. We'll get to it. First things first. Um, give me your, what do you, you know, we're coming out of this weekend, I think, with more good than bad. Uh, in terms of vibes, you know, overall thoughts. What are what are your what are your big uh, what is your big takeaway? Big takeaways. I'd say the, the one of the primary takeaways for me, at least on the positive end, is we're seeing a lot of burn from players who are significantly younger. Uh, we saw like tonight where maybe some of those lineups don't actually work out very well. Like when that lineup uh, started the fourth quarter, things started to slip a little bit. Um, so there's some growing pains depending on mixes and matches, but there are also some combinations that worked really nicely. Um, I thought it was great that quickly got in there tonight. I even beforehand, you know, I Knox looked fine in game one, not so great game two. Toppin, same thing. Um, RJ, it seemed to be the opposite. It was really nice to see him, you know, that had that first quarter of the first game where he looked rusty, maybe second quarter two. And then all of a sudden he just started to explode and you can see the strength and the uh, intelligence and how things start to click for him. And, you know, the one three that he's made was a wide open shot. So that's obviously something to consider, but he had some really nice pull-up jumpers and he connected on them. They were silky smooth. So 17 of his last 27 from the field after that 0-6 start, which is like, you you know, uh, you got to love that. Exactly. You know, and then of course you can turn more towards the bad, which is Julius Randle in a lot of ways because you know you can look at the scores as usual and and things might stand out a little bit in terms of the numbers but the ends don't seem to justify the means because it's confusing for me you know sometimes i appreciate the fact that he's actually able to handle the ball but then he does too much and then he'll hit a shot that's um really impressive it's like okay well you did the wrong thing but you're rewarded for it and that's great for yeah, you. Yeah, we're not rewarded. Still, right, the we fans. Still have to we are not rewarded. Yeah, no, exactly. Because it's not in service. It's not in service of of the long term uh, goals of this team. Sorry to cut right. you off. I no, it's but that. that's that's exactly it, and it's certainly problematic. And we'll dive into that consistently. But for me, the biggest thing was that it seems like a lot of the old warts are still the same. Um, Three point shooting is still abysmal. A free throw percentage is Do- still atrocious do you know what the three-point percentage is tonight well no since in the two i know what the numbers are there uh, i i just tweeted it out before 13 for 57 i believe yeah it might actually be... it, it may even be worse if they took a three at the end of the game there maybe 13 for 58 so um i it's like what 21 percent maybe something 21, like 21 22 off the top of my head yeah yeah that, that can't Keep happening. And of course, the based on the personnel that they have, it seems quite possibly likely to continue. And that's going to, you know, again, this this team to me is very much that influx team. And it's going to suck to see for a lot of the year. There's going to be a ton of growing pains. And the few guys who are able to shoot are going to look great as a result of being in such a cluttered lineup. But it's a shame because those Burks. players would also Burks, exactly. Burks look good. Yeah. Um, he would look even better if he had better spacing <laughs> around him. Yeah. Like he doesn't have to look like this. Uh, 
like like what uh, Marcus Morris looked like last year, where he just was on fire from three. You don't have to have one guy who can just shoot it. So, um, but it was, I guess, above all, the, the biggest takeaway for me was probably the positives from RJ. It's just really nice to see him start to take that leap. It's, it, you know, we've got plenty of time. It's two preseason games. It's been nine months, et cetera, et cetera. But it was nice to see that that kind of visualization of how he can progress. And that was on full display tonight. Um, you stole a lot of what I was going to say. I'm not mad at you, though. You had a periscope to say it. This is my time. This is your I also time. did not listen to the periscope because I knew we'd be talking. So, well, no, but it's just, it, I think it, it always makes me um, feel because you're smarter than I am. And when you say the things that I'm thinking, I mean, listen, you know it. We each um, have our strengths. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I drink beer. You, you know, are intelligent. Tonight um, was a bourbon night for what it's worth. So, oh, really? I see. I, I had did. a bourbon. I had my Friday night was my bourbon night. I actually had a, a well, although I did have an old fashioned um, to start off my, my dinner um, uh, before. And then I went to wine and now I'm finishing off the evening with a stout. Um, so again, clearly my takes are going to be on point. Um, I, I thought, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to, I'm going to be Kool-Aid John. I'm going to be rose colored glasses, John. I'm going to be glass, glass half full, John. And I'm going to say, there were two things coming into the season that putting aside the, 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 the stuff that ultimately doesn't matter, the Randall spin moves and the, you know, are the lineup combinations, you know, absolutely perfect in the first two games that don't mean anything. It's all put all that nonsense aside. Is there an organizational culture that shows that there is growth happening behind the scenes? And they gave up 84 points in the first game, and they just gave up 99 points in the in this game. And granted, it was still a bad Pistons team. But both games on the road, again, with no fans, but whatever. I think it's notable they didn't give up over 100 points in either game. They averaged giving up whatever it is, 91, 92 points. And I thought with the exception of like, you know, a handful of moments in the first half tonight, I thought the defensive effort in both games was really is what you want right and it's like we could count the amount of plays on one hand where guys were standing around like with their hands out like with you know shrugging with the like um that's good and that makes me feel and also by the way those couple of moments that we saw that what did Tibbs do call timeout and probably rip someone a new one i'm loving that and then the second thing um rj boy man i was i how has there been any like pro Nick podcaster slash like writer blogger that's been harder on RJ than me? That's a good question. I don't, I don't know if there has been, but I, I mean, it's like loving of Dennis Smith Jr. And hating of RJ Barrett. Well, but here's the thing. I've never hated on him because I keep going back to the same thing. I've I, always, I facetious, but yeah, I, well, but no, but it, you are and you aren't. I hated on the year that he had because he was bad and I will go to, I'll listen. I'll go to my grave arguing why he was bad. He was not good on either end of the floor. Um, eye test numbers, whatever you want. He wasn't good. And it wasn't all the team. It was him. He was not good. The guy that we've saw, we've seen over the last six quarters now is a different basketball player, especially the guy that we saw for a stretch of about five minutes in the third quarter when he looked the part of a guy that like, give me the ball. I'm going to dictate the offense and I'm going to figure out a way to just make some stuff happen, whether it's putting the ball in the hoop, spraying the ball around that to me, 
you know, was was awesome. And we saw some flashes from Obi in the first game. I like what we saw there. But again, if if the one big picture thing is the organization has to look like competent and, you know, like it's taking the job of basketball seriously, we could check that box a little bit. And then the development of one of these key young figures, I think we could start to maybe check that box again very early, but we like what we're seeing so far. Everything else is bad. <laughs> pretty pretty much, right? Because you look at the other young players. Yeah, well, let's go through them right now because we could, you know, that's as good an entree into the, the conversation as anything. Um, who do you want to start with? Um, well, let's start with this. Has any of the other young players been good? I think Frank has been okay. Yeah, it's just he's barely seen time. I mean, in so, limited moments. There were, he and Quickly looked great at the end of the first half, and yes. then they barely played. You know, Frank played a little bit in the end of the fourth and Quickly was on the floor at the end of the fourth. But other than that, it's it's that was really all they had. Uh, but let's start with Obi, because I think, you know, yeah. a lot of people are obviously very interested in how Obi Toppin is playing. Um, you know, for the first game, and I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer when I say this, but I saw a lot of comments about Obi looks good. He looks like an NBA player. And I'm here thinking like, yeah, he's 22 <laughs> years old. He should be looking like that's, an NBA player. If he's, if he's looking worse than that, then that's a bit of a cause for concern. The bar, I think, has to be a little bit higher with him because we can talk about his ceiling. But right now, I think the biggest thing with Obi is probably talking about his floor. And when you have games like the first one, that's um, that's fantastic. You know, he was energetic off the bench, high flying, a lot of um, dangerous passes, which he's certainly going to learn are not going to be able to fly in the NBA level. Yeah. Um, and then you see something like what happened tonight, which was he had a terrible shot selection. Uh, he was kind of all over the place. He missed, uh, there's missed also, most of his threes. He did. Um, but the one he hit, I mean, the way that thing arcs, it is beautiful. To watch. It's a um, I think it was was a prez. Um, who had it on Twitter the other night that Obi shoots in, in like an effortless ball or something, something along those lines. I apologize if I'm getting the wrong Strickland person, but it was someone who was like, it's an easy ball. Right. Yeah. And that's nice. Yeah. And so, you know, th- there are definitely positives there. Um, I thought the way he was able to create on one of those possessions um, yep. on offense in the first game was fantastic. You know, he, he's going to get um, beaten in the post. He's going to look bad with <laughs> off ball D sometimes he's not a defender the game is going to catch up for him. It's just a matter of how long it takes and how well positioned he can be and what the coaching structure can be. But, you know, it's, I'd like to see more from him. It's only been two games. So two preseason games at that. So we've got plenty of time, but the sort of thing where, um, you know, you can't, you can ask for a little bit more, of course, but it's, it's at least you can see the path he's going to take. And I'd be very curious to see if he's able to crack the starting lineup um, because the, the lineup that Tibbs has gone to, especially with having uh, DSJ and Mitch coming off the bench and uh, Knox, you know, putting someone like Randall with that unit because of a lack of playmaking, a lack of um, proper ball distribution in some ways, that might benefit them in elevating Obi. So he's um, in the starting lineup might be something I'd like to personally see. Um but, oh boy! You know that's. I mean, you really think there's a chance that that actually happens? <laughs> not necessarily, but it's you know we, we've seen this for this lineup for two nights, and yeah. other than what maybe a little bit in game one, and at the start of the third quarter of game two, there hasn't been a whole lot of optimism, not a lot of um, great things to see. And one of the things that actually caught my eye is um, with Nerlens Noel because you highlighted this uh, in your newsletter, and it's going to drive me crazy for the entire season is the fact that he'll set these fair, uh, flare screens that just 
he'll draw no contact. And it's something that Mitch does as well. And um, I think I saw a little bit tonight where there was a slight bump with Mitch and that seemed to help. Uh, but other than that, they're, they're kind of like, um, you know, cardboard in the wind or something. It just, they, they don't <laughs> draw contact and they like can't continue one. to the level they need to. But with Obi again, nice things to see. I just, we need to see more because he is at that bar. Yeah. I'm, of all the things that I might be worried about right now, Obi's probably at the bottom of the list because like tonight, um, you saw him trying to make a couple moves and there were bodies there. And that's one thing he didn't see a lot of at Dayton. He didn't see a lot of bodies because he was out there playing center and there were four shooters on the floor <laughs> and he had a really good point guard, a really good college point guard. He gave that college point guard a lot of credit. I've, I'm going to forget his name, of course, but um, like everything was going his way at Dayton. Now, I do think it's important to point out that the, the skill, again, and we already saw them the last game. When things are going his way, I think the the effectiveness can be as high in the pros or nearly as high in the pros as it was at the college game. Um, but, you know, you start going through down the list of like, okay, who, who really needs to play with spacing in this um, in this rotation now? And RJ, we've said this for a year. Now you could add Obi to that list, right? Um, and then you go down the guys who are going to see time for sure. And it's, it's Alfred Payton and it's Julius Randle. Um, and it's, it's Dennis Smith Jr. May, well, actually, no, we, maybe we shouldn't make that assumption. Um, who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting. Oh, and it's this, it's the centers. It's Mitch. It's Noel. And you want those guys to get time, right? You, you want room protection. And, and I think by, you know, Yes, Noel has, has uh, you know, slipped already a few screens, but I, I think Noel has played by and large pretty well. Mitch was inconsistent tonight, but I thought he bounced back after the f- five fouls and f- what, 13 minutes, whatever it was, some, something absurd. Um, and he finished, finished with a good effort. I loved him in, in game one. I thought he really played well on the defensive end. Um, in any case, these guys are going to need spacing. And it just, it, you know, I, God, it's, it's, he's the elephant in the room. It always comes back to Randall because <laughs> Randall's on the team. He's getting 30 minutes a night. And if he's getting 30 minutes a night, that's another guy that occupies that prime real estate. So then what do you do, Jeremy? What do you do? You tell Jeremy, you, you tell Julius to go home and, and you know, take your ball and leave. I like, He's still their best offensive creator on the team right now until we see a little bit more of what we saw from RJ tonight, which is insane because he's not good at it. But he's, I, God, I was puzzled why he was in the lineup down the stretch. Because, I mean, Detroit's pretty much taking out all of their best players. Yeah. It's a preseason game. Why do you have Julius Randle there? You sub Obi Toppin in with a minute and four seconds left. For what reason? But don't we know that answer? Because isn't he trying to figure out what works around Randall? Doesn't he look at Randall as like, all right, this is the best you gave me? Sure. I guess I got to figure it out. I. They need Randall. I can't believe I'm saying that, but they do. No, seriously. This no, I, I get I what you're coming you to from. disagree with me. No, it's, I mean... You know, we're certainly well above the um, belief of cutting him because that's still just not a solid option or a, or a plausible one whatsoever. Um, but the idea of finding a, the right role for him and he's he's just, you know, he's not a starter for a winning team. We know that this isn't going to be a winning team, even if he's starting or not. But that's why I would be so curious as to seeing how he would fit in with that second unit. Because if you've got DSJ 
in his playmaking and how he's forcing balls into ridiculous spots and errant passing and um, doing too much with it. Like tonight he got tripped up uh, because he, he got double teamed as he was trying to do some sort of crossover. And uh, yeah. it, it just, the shot looks fine. But again, the bar for that was so low that it's nice. It, it looks better. Right. Exactly. <laughs> In comparison is what I'm getting. Yeah, but yes. yeah. So low, low, low bars here. Right. Right. So, you know, it's that sort of thing where you're going to have to play Randall and you're probably going to have to play him 20 to 25 minutes because that's simply who he is and his presence on the team. And you have him on the team and you can't get rid of him right now. So it's just finding that that role of who he fits around. Well, like he had positive minutes with Mitchell Robinson under the Mike Miller um, era. It was, you know, somewhat brief, but that idea of if you're going to maybe have Mitch come off the bench um, and just quickly on Mitch, I agree, played really nicely in game one. Game two is a very different story. Um, Up and down. Yes. Uh, The thing about, you know, Obviously, he. I think he drew one foul per every three minutes, and he was playing 12 minutes, which if you do the math, that's four fouls, commits the fifth foul directly under the Knicks' basket when yeah. Detroit has the ball. But he did a great job of staying in the game for the last like seven, eight minutes before he could checked out and Noel yeah. came in. And I thought that was nice. That, you, know, you could see that he was really conscientious because he had to be, but um, consistently keeping his hands up, not forcing anything, that was really great to see. Yeah. But if you're able to match Randall and Mitch together and have some sort of bench action, because Randall, I know, will be able to obliterate fours that are coming off the bench. It, you know, unless, of course, the sixth man is a great no, four, in which case no, it will be a different you're, story. You're but right. If he can take advantage of inferior players, that's only going to make him look better. Right. And this is coming from me, the person who said, well, I would love to see Obi starting. Um, there's the opportunity of if you start Randall, it's like, are you lowering his value by dropping him down a spot by putting him on the bench? I don't. I don't. And now think I'm it's wondering value though, right? But now I'm wondering, are you losing value? Maybe you can actually gain value by saying, "Look, this guy can carve out a nice role, expensive, of course, but for with the expiring money coming back and whatever it might be, you can find a spot for him on a team. It just has to translate to winning, and you have to have the right players around him. And I just. So here's the here's the issue. Let's play this game, okay? He goes to the bench. Obi starts, right? With whatever. Noel or Mitch. I I honestly don't think it really matters. Um alongside, let's say Burks and RJ. Um you're you're starting paying point guard still off for Peyton, right? It is. So you're so your spacing is still not great because at the rate he's going so far, teams are going to let Obi take all those shots. Teams are going to let RJ take all those shots. So I'm not. All you're doing is you're you're moving the you're, you're moving Randall to the bench, where granted he could take advantage of of bad fours. Like I agree, but again, talk about the, the 2020, the year of me saying things that if I heard myself at some, I, I'd be like really. And yet, I'm going to say it. <laughs> Alfred Payton is the one point guard that kind of re- reels Randall in. Like, here's the thing about Alfred Payton. He dictates the offense. Like, Dennis Smith Jr., the biggest issue with him hasn't been a shot or the, or turnovers. I don't even know if he's turned the ball over yet, probably once or twice. Certainly not his defense. Defense has been good. He hasn't, he's not getting the team into his offensive sets. The team is like, it, they're, it's it's almost as if there is no point guard out there when he's when he's running the show. And Frank... Lots of nice things, tons of good things, but 
I'm not sure we're seeing Frank get the team into its offense. But I also don't think he really has the opportunity. And this isn't he, me trying to give Frank an excuse. It's more that every moment in game one that Frank was well, on the court, quick, he, was, quickly, he was partnered with uh, with, with Dennis Smith Jr. With Smith tonight, Jr. With and tonight yes, when I thought he finally fair. had an opportunity to take the reins, quickly then took on ball, you know, reins. So it, it seems like the role is very clear on what they want Frank to be. They want him to be an off-ball defensive specialist. Yeah, but it, it, not to get sidetracked, but is that really that unfair of them? And again, I, I'm, I, Frank has been their best young player aside from R.J. Barrett over the first two games. He's, he's been very nice, but at the same time, he's got a couple traveling calls where it literally was being on. He was not guarded. He just took a, a step too soon or whatever the case may be. There was a possession tonight that sticks in my head where the defenders, I think it was Killian Hayes or someone's playing five feet off him and he's going like side to side. And he's just like, I just, I don't know. I was texting Spencer tonight and, and Spencer's like, Frank is the ideal point guard to run um a team if you have like a luca like whatever luca is like a, 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 a another guy in another position you could essentially run the show right high usage versatile exactly make the make there. the right pass the whole take the ball well guess what <laughs> we don't fucking have that guy <laughs> and he ain't coming through the door anytime soon so it begs the question of like okay so what do you what do you do with frank and like yes he ran the second unit more than admirably last year i i don't i i I don't know that that's the that's the drum I'm going to bang this year is like give Frank the chance to run the second unit, you know, as a point. guard. My point is, I think Alfred Payton deserves to be the starting point guard of this team. And it might be in their best interest for him to be the starting point guard of this team, which, again, goes completely in the face of everything I said a minute ago. I'm trying to increase the spacing as much as possible for RJ Barrett and Obi Toppin, which is, you know, I don't envy the decisions that Tom Thibodeau has. It's what it comes down to it. It's like guys needed to come into this year a little better. And maybe it happens, but through two fake games, if you look at Dennis Smith Jr. and you look at Kevin Knox, and even if you look at Mitchell Robinson, I'm not sure we're seeing like, oh, that dude looks like a different guy after whatever he just did for the last nine months. The only guy that we could say that about a little bit now is R.J. Barrett. And granted, that's the most important guy. And if there was one guy you could be like, if anybody could, we could say that about, I want it to be RJ. So that's good news. But one of these other guys needs to, you know, needs to come forth and be like, yes, I am. I am also taking the reins. So, yeah. And just to reinforce, because and I know I would speak for you on this. We're, we're obviously saying this after two preseason games with a nine month layoff. So there's plenty of time for every player on the roster, but yes, I mean, in terms of goes without saying, right. In terms of Frank, again, I, I at least want him to see that opportunity and that's not really given to him. That's um, fair. That's fair. It, it'd be one thing if, you know, he finally got the chance to play on ball. and was just constantly screwing up to the point where it's like, okay, well he kind of ran out of chances and I can understand why, but that an opportunity really hasn't been afforded to him. And then when you see a new player like quickly and granted, I'm not against the idea of quickly running on ball. He, as he said in the past, I've, I, 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 I like it. My guard for myself. a lot of time. I have no issue. I have no qualms with, with the idea of what quickly can be or what they want to try to make him into. Um, it's very much an issue of Dennis Smith jr. Um, because trying to figure out a way to salvage some sort of trade value, which again, he does not have right now. If he did, I'm sure he would be. He would have been gone this summer or this off season. Um, and then, as I completely forgot until they mentioned it, the fact that you don't, <laughs> you're still missing Rivers. 
Like, well, and how does he fit into the fold once he's healthy? And who does he bump for playing time? And are you basically just biding time until the trade deadline because you have so many players that you can try to wheel and deal on affordable contracts? Like, I don't, what does that mean for player development before the deadline? And what does it mean for afterward? Well, look, Tibbs has said repeatedly, as has every coach let's be clear about this player development doesn't just happen in the game player development happens off the floor and this and that and the whole thing um it that's going to need to be the case because we you know (laughs) i let me let me just ask you this we're going to take a you know what actually no i want to ask you this and then we'll finish up with the rotation after a quick ad read but two games in what what do you want to see? Do you want to see? Because there's a there's a world where Tibbs could run out 10, 10 kids, right? He could run out. Let's just name them real quick. Uh, Smith. I'm just picking one of the two. Smith, RJ. Um, gosh, uh, who would it be? Uh, Knox, Obi, Mitch, um, Dennis, Frank. Dennis. Or the other one that we didn't say, um, whichever point guard doesn't start quickly, uh, Iggy, um, Spellman, Spellman, and uh, who do we want to give the? Do you want to give it to Miles Powell? Do you want to give it to? Uh, I, I, I'm sure maybe we're forgetting someone, um, but like, there's that world, right? And then there's the world where we're getting RJ and Ob and Mitch and nobody else. And no other kids. That's a world that exists. So, wh- where is your, where is your balance? Before we get into what we think is going to happen and what we think the decisions are at stake, where do you want to see happen? Well, I think there's some merit to meritocracy, in the sense of I should hope so. You have better players ahead of you. If you want to play ahead of them, then you need to be better than them. I get that. It doesn't mean you should start all of your best players. I mean, of course, like I, I would say, R.J. Barrett is a better player than whoever would be backing him up or, you know, whoever would be at the three. So he's going to be the best player so far. Yeah. But someone like Mitchell Robinson, where, you know, I mean, on what was it Thursday? He, he had an Instagram live post that certainly caused some confusion. If it's a private thing where he's talking, where he was voicing his, um, um, you know, issues or whatever it may be. I hope that I hope, (laughs) thank you. Uh, I hope everything is okay on a personal level. If it's professional, then that's the exact opposite of what you want to see. And then that would be, you know, a level of like, Hey, maybe don't do that. If it was in reaction, no, well, but we're speculating who knows the point being, and we never ever speculate on this true. podcast. Not once ever, not once, not once. has um, never happened. But the idea of, you know, if he's going to be consistently fouling against backup players on Detroit, how is he going to have the opportunity to play against starters on good teams moving forward without being in foul trouble and sent to the bench within the first you know, five minutes of a game. So for me, it's very much like you've got at this moment um, for guaranteed contracts. I think it's nine players who are 23 years or 23 years old or younger. Sounds if right. You, if you cut Spellman or Brasdakis, then and bring on someone like Kid Gilchrist, it's it's eight. Even if it's eight, to me, that is a staggering amount of young players. And you're not going to be able to get all of them. It's going to be very much be like the best rise to the top. The cream rises to the top. And everyone else, you know, they likely sink. Like, I don't necessarily want to spend an entire season trying to see if Brasdakis or Spellman are going to be just like 
end of the bench NBA players. That's not of a huge interest to me. Well, and I, I also I got know news that, for you. You're not going to have to. <laughs> exactly. And I also know that if you see the best players that the Knicks have, if they're trying to prioritize them, putting decent players around them also helps because again, as we saw tonight, there was one lineup where it was like Desmond Jr. Knox, uh, Mitch Block, and one other player. I think it might've been Toppin. And it just looked atrocious. And it's that sort of thing where you can run it out but if no one, if there's no, you're a teacher. Like if you have a classroom that just tries to teach itself, they're probably going to run into issues. They might be able to come up with a few answers and maybe they can teach themselves something, but they're not going to be able to, to really learn at that capacity. I, and I know I'm, it's a very different field. I'm definitely you, the, the coach Fisdale of this analogy. Regardless, uh, like, you know, self-deprecation aside, uh, the fact is that there needs to be some sort of reining in of the younger players. And that's going to lead to one or two or maybe three guys who are not going to be on this team long term, but are able to help put these players in the position to succeed by providing spacing like Burks. If you didn't have Burks in that lineup, that would be a disaster, but he's there and he's showing what he can do. A little bit of creation, um, a little bit of driving and cutting. That's great to see. Um, you know, you, you hope that someone like Bullock or Rivers can get in there. Noel, any of these guys where even if they're one-year mercenaries, it's not to the extent of they're going to screw everything up. It's that they know what their role is. They know what their usage rate is going to be. They're going to be reined in furthermore by the coaching staff, playing within the flow of the offense and the defense and being able to guide the younger players as they you know, find successes in areas of development themselves is something I really want to see. So if, you, if he runs like a 10 to 12 man lineup because – we don't know what COVID's going to be like or short rest, all of these he's, factors. He's only going to play 10 guys a night, if that. Probably. And if that's the case, you know. He said as much. He says he wants it to be nine or 10, and his history, eight years worth of history shows that. Yeah. So if it's going to be, you know, like six or seven of those guys are still really young, and the th- other three, four getting significant minutes are players who are able to help them, you're not developing those players. You're developing the players around them. It doesn't mean prioritize those three yeah. or four guys, but it just means help put the younger players in a position to succeed so they feel like they're actually developing. All right. Um, we'll, we'll finish up with a quick conversation about the rotation uh, right after we have a, a quick word um, from our sponsor. Um, we know because uh, Austin Rivers is still out and he's going to be back. And when he comes back, and I think he's going to be part of the rotation. Um if he is going to recover, because, you know, when a Nick gets hurt, they they do recover. But when one of us is injured because of someone else's negligence, it can be a life changing event. And when that happens, you want a strong legal team fighting for you to make sure you receive full compensation for your injuries. You want to be able to call your legal team whenever you want. You don't want to be a file on a shelf with hundreds of others. And you don't want your lawyers to be afraid to go to court. The legal team at Faruqi and Faruqi gives every client their personal cell phone number to call 24-7. They limit the number of clients they represent at one time, and they have a long track record of taking on insurance companies, corporations, and the government in court and winning, like the Knicks did on Friday night, um, except Faruqi and Faruqi, you know, they, they don't they don't have performances like, uh, you know, we saw tonight. Uh, and while prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome, you could learn more about them by going to N as in Nancy, Y as in 
York, legalteam.com. Uh, again, the website is nylegalteam.com. Go check out Faruqi and Faruqi and see uh, all of the services that they can offer you. Um, my soul is not yet injured after these two first preseason games. I just want, I, I want that noted for the record. Give it time. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, here, 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 ultimately, here's why I can't come on here and rave mad about anything because I, I can't even sit here and be like, here's the 10 man rotation I want to see because I don't even know what that looks like. I really don't. I just, I, I, I let's, well, before, I'll, I'll give you something before we get out of here, but what do we think are the biggest questions at this point? What are we looking for over the next? We have two preseason games left, and Fizz already said he's going to take the first three, four, five, whatever regular season games to settle in on a rotation. Um, it, it feels like Bullock is fighting for a spot. Is that fair to say? Could be, although, you know, I think he's, unless he's traded to another team, I don't see him being waived. Oh, no, I'm not. No, oh, no, no, no just no, no, of playing time. Yes, I would yeah. agree with that because. Waved, yeah, if, uh, fighting for a spot in the rotation. Okay. Yeah. We agree that he is fighting for a spot in the rotation. Do we think Frank is fighting for a spot in the rotation? Yeah, I would say he's on the periphery. Okay. For sure. And, and I want to note that because. Tonight, uh, we keep saying tonight, Sunday night, what happened was essentially the opposite of Friday night, which is that Frank was part of the initial 10-man unit, and then Bullock was like the 11th guy that came in in place of Burks with the rest of the starters. On Sunday night, that was essentially Frank. He came in at the end of the the first half and then had, I want to say, two stints in the second half. So not quite the same, but similar. Okay. Do we think that Dennis Smith Jr. is fighting for a place in the rotation? I don't. You think he's in? I think he's in. You know, much to my chagrin, I think he's in. And it's the sort of thing where I I see tweets about how um, Emmanuel quickly is going to take his spot. And as much as I want to say absolutely, that sounds great to me, Tibbs' history of playing rookies and playing younger players seems to dictate otherwise. I know this is a very different experience than – when he was in Chicago, a little bit more so than when he was in Minnesota. Maybe that first year is a little bit more on par. But it's this thought process of we know how much the Knicks have been playing up Dennis Smith Jr. And we know that they're going to try to extract something from him. And again, like I, I don't see the point based on what we've seen. I'm not trying to write him off, but it's also the sort of thing where I don't know how much he can really get in a short season of – 40 games if he's staying healthy and if he's playing offensively like he is in terms of the decision-making, but it it hasn't stopped them from doing something of the sort before. And if you have him completely on the outside looking in, then basically what you're saying is, all right, we're cool. Not even trying to get something from him. And they're just, I just don't see them writing him off right now. I think they're going to try to give it time. And maybe if after 20 to 25 games, if they don't see anything working, Maybe they'll turn the page, but until that's, then, that's I what just I'm, don't see him being written out. Yeah, I don't either. And I, I you know, again, I, I joked a few times. He has been really good on defense. I think he had a moment tonight where his signals got crossed and he had a talking to on the bench from Johnny Bryant. But his his defense, I thought, in game one was nothing really excellent. Uh, and I thought he had some nice moments on defense tonight. And he had a few moments on offense, you know, where he drove the lane it was, he took what was there. 
you know, he had a nice mid-range jumper. Yeah, you know, it's two preseason games. I, I, right. I think, I think what we're gonna see is, like you said, whether it's twenty, twenty-five games, and they're gonna see what they have, and then if they can get something out of him, great. If not, I think that's when they turned quickly. And I think, you know what, in the grand scheme of things, Emmanuel quickly is signed to a four-year guaranteed contract or three years guaranteed with a fourth-year you know, option. Um, taking 25 of those games of his rookie year and seeing, all right, let's give Dennis Smith Jr. one last shot. I, I don't mind that, personally. It's the easiest sale possible. It is the easiest sale possible. You're it right. It doesn't mean we have to like it, but I get the science behind it. But the alternative is to sit him on the bench and then you've just taken something that, whether it's, is there 10% chance, 15% chance, 20% chance that Dennis Smith Jr. turns into an asset, something in that range, whatever it is, it turns into 0% once you sit him on the bench and that's it. Okay. Yeah. And I think also just one quick, one thing yeah. quickly, uh, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to run into so many quickly. Puns this, we are, we are it's completely are. inadvertent, but you talked about the fact that these players develop and they learn even when they haven't played. Emmanuel quickly didn't log a single minute in game one. And no. I saw him right after he posted on social media. He had the game on his computer and he had the game on his television. Oh no, he's so like that sort of thing where I I agree as well that the idea of having Dennis Smith Jr. out there for 20, 25 games from a development standpoint, it sucks because Emmanuel quickly might not be able to get that opportunity, but it's not like he's not learning. It's not like he's not growing. He's still going to focus. He's going to be working extremely hard because that's, all he seems to do in practice, um, it's going to be there. It's just he's probably not going to get that game action that we would all hope for him to get. He, you know what the nice thing about quickly is? Unlike, God, it feels like my entire lifetime when the Knicks draft a kid and then, you know, maybe the coach isn't playing him as much or this or that. And you wonder like, oh, are they already having buyer's remorse? You don't have to worry about that with him because his coach his coach is on the team now. So they know what they got. They they love him. They clearly love him. And there's yeah. no reason not to love him. We, it's just a matter of like, when is the time going to come? It's going to come. If it doesn't come right away, you know, whatever it is, what it is. Um, a couple more and then, then we'll finish up. We've already gone longer than I, I said we would. And I apologize for that. You But you are you are a trooper. Um, oh, this is going to be dicey. Is Kevin Knox fighting for a spot in the rotation? I don't think he is. I don't think he is either. I, I, we could move on. I don't. I don't think he is. Um, is there anybody else that I haven't brought up? That... You want to talk about again? This is only two preseason games. But if you want to, if we really want to have a, a spicy conversation, I, another I one. Don't even be... know. I, here's. I don't even know who you're going to say. That's what. Who? Well, I. It wouldn't be. Is this player in the rotation? It is. And again, I know, two preseason games. We're going we're gonna to keep saying it. In fact, I'm going to keep saying, personally, I view sample sizes like around game 10 is when you can start to even consider them because otherwise yeah. just everything's skewed. Yes. Um, so granted, keep that in mind. But the idea of is this with, with Mitchell Robinson with these up and down games? Oh, come on. Not about rotation. No, there's nothing to do with rotation. Obviously, he's going to be in the rotation. He should be in the rotation and he should be considered starting. The idea instead of what does this mean long term? Again, not basing it on that, two games. That is not where I'm at. It's just the fact of what at what point do we, you know, well, does the team evaluate? But this is not this isn't a conversation we necessarily he, have to have. He right wasn't he, he is literally on week two. Yeah, I think that literally week two, finishing up week two of the Tom Thibodeau, Kenny Payne, Johnny Bryant experience. This is a guy I, I don't want to repeat myself because everybody's heard this before. 
he it, the ultimate handle with kid gloves in every way. So you want to talk about this is going to be a, a process with Mitchell Robinson. This is going to be a process with Mitchell Robinson. I'm I'm not. I, that's why I'm not. I'm not talking about him today. I'm not going to talk about him next week. I'm just uh, let's see where we're at in a month. That's all right. Fine. Listen, yeah. there there's I know, we're, I know there's plenty of time we were on I the, know. The, the the train to Spicy Town. So I figured we you know, but it's now at a screeching halt. We'll pick it back up. Hopefully we don't have to pick it up back up because it shows that he's so you know remarkable I, that we don't have to do anything. You know what I picked up? Speaking, speaking of Spicy Town, I picked up uh, some uh, Sriracha Mayo for the first time. I've never purchased it. I've had it a lot. I've never purchased it from the grocery store. I purchased it this week and I've already used it a few times. Very good decision. Um, okay. Um, all right. So I don't think there's anybody else that is, we need to ask questions about. Um, I don't, and just to be clear, I don't think Emmanuel quickly is fighting for a spot in the rotation because I don't think he's going to be in the rotation. I'd be shocked. I think he, you know what? I think he's going to be the guy that like when the team does is getting blown out or when they're up big, God forbid. Um, I think he's the guy that gets in, in the whatever late third, early you know mid fourth whatever it is and they see what he could do and then he'll be in the rotation whether it's after whatever 20 25 30 40 games okay keep in so, mind just also one yeah very fast thing it takes one small injury to get him into the game well does He's it really though, not that far in terms of the depth chart but he, here's the thing we're talking about 12 guys now he's the 13th it's a little different though because of the positionality if he were you know maybe a backup uh, wing like they've already were, shown their hand that they want to play him a point guard right like if he were like Bullock in that type of role I'd that's say you know I think that's true but that's based on the fact that he's got that um, expedited path to playing point guard if that's how they want that's to run interesting. him then he he will see more opportunities and Alfred Payton was not healthy last year Dennis Jr no. also not healthy no. their track records aren't incredibly strong although more so for Payton's that it is that's all it takes just one, you know, two week injury and you're going to see quickly logging minutes at the one. That's a good job by you to point that out. And I, I yeah, uh, man, I'm, I'm I'm looking at this. All right. So let's put him aside for now. Um, We both think Rivers is going to get time when he gets back. Mm-hmm. I think Bullock is out. He could be. I just, I don't. Because and I wrote as much at the end of in one of my most recent newsletters. If Bullock is in, then I I don't see a I don't see a path where Knox also gets time. I unless I'm missing something because I but I I've I've whatever the the meme where all the numbers are happening or and letters and whatever. Um, Bullock to me is the perfect player of okay we've traded Alec Burks and one or two other guys. We need bodies, and he can still space the floor. Yeah, he exactly. He's like the breaking case. He's a case constant pro again. in terms of his veteran leadership. Um, I that's I agree, and that I could see him just filling that role. And it again just takes uh, if Rivers, if his groin acts up again, if it continues to plague him, he's going to yeah. see time. But after that, you know, what are you really getting out of them? What are you getting out of Reggie Bullock? Not a whole lot. So it's, this is good. I. I Man, this is the problem with having a, a deep young team, but also having, you know, veterans. You have to find some sort of balance, and there, there's no scenario that's really going to energize every fan. Every person's probably going to be disappointed in one way or another. Well, and th- that's just the truth of it, and that's okay. 
but they are because it, once Rivers is back, one of Knox, Frank, or Dennis Smith Jr. is 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 just not going to. There's going to be a game where one of them is not going to play. Um, and I, gosh, I think Frank has earned the time. Um, okay, uh, I'm gonna here's uh, here's my ideal rotation. You ready? After two preseason games, I'm willing to put myself out there. Um, I want to see more of RJ Barrett with the ball. And I think, I think that has to be priority number one this season with, with, with the caveat that it cannot be RJ Barrett makes stuff happen or bust. It has to be, we will give him the opportunities but also we will, you know, it, it, there, there's an out there, right? So, but if it's Peyton, that doesn't work. So, I, gosh, I think I'm going to, am I about to advocate? I see, it's, it's impossible. Like the guy that I want to see RJ Barrett play with the most, honestly, is Emmanuel Quickly. Because I like those two trying to figure out between the two of them how to be one competent ball handler. But that's, a, I got that's a post trade line trade deadline lineup, which I would love. Like I know I could sit here and I'd be like, I know in the last 30 games of the season what I want to see. That's easy for me to do. 100%. But I can't, but right now it's just, man. Um, I guess I want to see our Peyton's gonna start. You know, I God. And you need Burks is shooting, and RJ is not going anywhere. And it's either a question of whether you have Mitch or Noel, who's, I mean, they're the same archetype of player in terms of rim-running, defensive-minded bigs who can block shots. So it then comes down to the four. Honestly, you know what this is? You know what it is? Here's what it is. It's about Peyton gets the quick hook, and you give RJ the reins of the offense after five, six minutes of the game. And who do you bring in for Peyton in that scenario? Do you bring in, you bring in a shooter. What shooter are you going to bring in? I guess you're going to bring in. See, but that's the thing. They don't have a right. And then you're also still running. You bring in Frank, like, I guess. You want the ball out of Peyton's hands. I'm more worried about the ball being in, in Randall's hands. And Randall's still staying in the game. Well, right? then, you, then you could get Randall out of there. And then you could bring in Toppin with a little more spacing. Um, you know, and then eventually, and then Mitch. Oh, gosh, it's tough. It's really hard. It's just this is a, a very this clunky fit brutal. because of Randall and because of Peyton. And we've we've talked about Peyton ad nauseum in terms of starting point guards and, and who's available. But I mean, Randall's a very different situation because the gift no, that he's on giving is he's still under contract for this year and partially for the next. Sorry, here's what you do. I wasn't looking at him because he didn't play tonight. You bring in Rivers. That's who you bring in as your starter. No, you bring in, you keep the starters as they are, whether it's Noel or Mitch, whatever, one of those two. You bring in Austin Rivers for Alfred Payton. That's the move. So how and long Austin, are you playing with, with those five? For, before you have I don't know, five minutes, like five minutes to start each half, right? And then, and then you bring in Rivers, and then Rivers gives you a little shooting, and he gives you a little play, but not playmaking, that's overstating it. He gives you ball movement, right? So it's not all on RJ. And then you 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 give the quick hook to Randall after that, and you bring in Toppin. So then you could run with Rivers, RJ, Burks, um, 
Noel and Toppin for a bit. You pull pull Noel for Mitch, and then all of a sudden you're with RJ, um, Rivers, Burks, Mitch, and Obi. And then last but not least, you could pull Burks for. I'm going to say it, Frank. Um, and now I've just left either Dennis Smith Jr. or Kevin Knox out of my rotation because that's the last move to pull, right? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I feel a lot better about this than anything else. So uh, this is where I'm leaving it. Uh, you, you, whichever one of those two guys you want to put in, put them in. Uh, I, it, yeah, that's where I'm at. We'll see. Yeah, no, I think it sounds right. It's just a matter of whether because there aren't that many primary initiators on the team, if, if they're going to decide to bring in Austin Rivers ahead of Dennis Smith Jr. Because now he's, you know, I mean, you could say positionless basketball, but, uh, and I'd still say that Austin Rivers can, you know, facilitate and make better plays than Dennis Smith Jr. can, but you're then still having Dennis Smith Jr. languishing on the bench. And what are you necessarily going to do? And you have quickly also on the bench. And then you're talking about some sort of lineup where, like, even if you have top and then people are, are still going to be upset where, if your five is Rivers, Burks, RJ, Toppin, and Noel. I mean, if it's Mitch, I think people will have different opinions on it because it, you know, it'll still feel like a long-term piece, three of them in the front court that you hope is the front court of the future. Um, but other than that, it's just this is the issue with having a lack of players who can really break other opponents down on the dribble or getting to the line or shooting effectively just pieces that can work together, but pieces that, that can work, but they just don't fit together. If I could wave my magic wand and which I, there's a magic wand in the other room. My daughter plays with it. She loves her magic wand. It's a wonderful toy. Um, and they're so cheap. They, that's the first gift you should get. Any girl is a magic wand provides hours of enjoyment. Um, if I can wave it and wave Randall off the team and, Give Knox, make Knox just just be the NBA version of the guy he was in his first summer league. That would literally solve every problem on this team. It, literally. Because Knox is the guy you thought you were drafting at eight. And he takes Randall's place. And everything is hunky fucking dory. That we don't have a problem with the rotation. There's not too many guys. There's, 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 everybody's in their spots. Ugh. So frustrating. Really is. How do you think really, two preseason <laughs> games? I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm shaking my fucking. All right. Uh, I think we've. I think we've beaten this horse about as much as possible. Jeremy, um, I know you wanted to say something before we uh, got out of here. Yeah. Uh, just really quickly, uh, I was very touched. A lot of you were kind enough to reach out, and um, in regards to my grandfather, I. What happened actually was that shortly after John and I recorded last week, my grandfather went to the hospital, uh, and they tried some treatment and it seems that it's progressing. He was released from the hospital into rehab. Um, <laughs> ironically enough, last week I have, an, I have another grandfather. Those are my two living grandparents. He was also in the hospital, not for COVID. It was a rough week. Uh, both are now out They're on the mend, but I really appreciated that a lot of you uh, took the time both uh, publicly and privately to um, send thoughts and prayers. It was very much appreciated. So uh, I'm, I'm for, very fortunate and blessed to thus far report good news. We're not out of the woods yet, but um, a very hearty thank you. Um, I will thank everybody on behalf of Jeremy as well, because uh, Jeremy means a lot to me. You are one of my dear friends. You've become one of my dear friends. And uh, you, uh, 
you, you get on here and you do this every week. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, but you do. Uh, I, 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 we should have, we should mark an anniversary for us. So we could celebrate an anniversary. Like I celebrated with my wife tonight. When we should go, we'll go back and look at when the first, first uh, pod is that we did together. Yeah. Yeah. Why should Dolores get all the action? She, <laughs> I need my John time. I only get like an hour how at long, most. How long were you holding the word Maction in your back pocket for? It honestly came up. No, it not didn't. even. No, it really did. I don't it really did. That. It's no true. One's that... No, it it actually did. Um, you know, if I thought about it earlier, I would have said it, but it it honestly came up organically. So uh... that's on that note. <laughs> um, we <laughs> on behalf of Jeremy uh, and I, uh, we thank you for listening to another episode of the Next Film School podcast. Hey, if you're a new listener and you like the show. Um, which what's wrong with you? Go rate us, review us, subscribe, uh, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your kids, tell anyone. Um, and, uh, we will, um, be back with you with another episode soon. Uh, there, I got a couple, a couple episodes on the docket for this week that, uh, will be good. And then Jeremy and I will be back with you next Monday and, uh, have a, uh, great and 